How's it going, everybody? We are back. Another episode of College Football Gridiron on this December 10th of 2020. It's week 15 of the college football season. Michigan's COVID outbreak cancels its matchup with Ohio State and questions about OSU's eligibility for the Big Ten championship game. There is no change to the college football playoff top four. For now, a thriller between Coastal Carolina and BYU and LSU's supposed postseason ban. Here to break it all down with you, the guy on the other side of my Zoom screen is Jimmy Sullivan. I'm Nick DeLuca. Jimmy, a lot going on in the world of college football. It seems that more of it is happening off of the field than on it, but still a lot to get to and happy to be here with you doing it. Same here, Nick, and it's not our usual week. Usually we're sitting here talking about a lot of last week's games, looking ahead to what's going on this week. And not doing that today. There's a lot of different stuff going on, but we're good to get into all of that and really looking forward to this episode. For sure. And I think there's nowhere else to start but Michigan and Ohio State. Again, earlier this week, it is announced in something that I think a lot of people saw coming that Michigan and Ohio State this year will not be happening for the first time since 1917, Michigan with some positive COVID tests throughout its program, and this game will not happen. And it's for me because now you're talking about Ohio State being in a difficult position with regard to the rest of the Big Ten. There was supposedly a statement where, okay, you need to have six games played to be eligible for the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State with another game canceled earlier this year, not going to meet that requirement. And just overall, a disappointment for fans of college football. You're hoping to see the game. This is something you pay attention to, even though it's certainly been a a down year for Michigan. An exciting game always to watch, and we're not going to be able to get that this year. Certainly not. And, you know, I think there was some fear frankly, this year that if the game was played, that it was going to be a blowout. The way Michigan was coming into it uh, and the way Ohio State has looked, I mean, obviously one of those teams is in the top four for the college football playoff. The other is incredibly not. But I find it interesting, you know, we're talking about this and, and obviously it's a huge disappointment. It looks like now the Big Ten is going to alter its rules around the number of games that are required in order to make it to the big 10 title game. And it's, you know, it's an odd situation. I mean, look, this whole season has been extremely strange and unprecedented. Frankly, I hope we never go through it again um, just because of why that is the case and what we're dealing with as a country right now. But I think when we went into this season and, you know, all the conferences, kind of one by one decided that they were going to come back. This was the fear of a lot of people that you were going to have, you know, a a big game in this case, Ohio state, Michigan, you know, insert whichever two teams you want here that you were going to have some big game in, you know, big like nationally televised window that was going to get canceled. And unfortunately, you know, we've seen that happen here. And you touched on it, Nick. It's a shame for college football fans. I mean, this is the first time this game has been canceled in however many years. And obviously, it's, it's not a good thing for the sport. 
and if there's one other thing you know I could say at least on the game itself is that there had been this kind of wild conspiracy theory going out in the last couple of weeks that you know Michigan was somehow going to sandbag this game not only because they thought they were going to lose but also because it would uh, hamper Ohio State's playoff hopes somehow in the fact that they wouldn't get to the six game minimum and thus not play in the Big Ten title game. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how much credence there is honestly to that. Um, I, I tend not to believe something like that and when I saw it I thought you know it was incredibly strange uh, particularly given the seriousness of what we are dealing with. But you're absolutely right to say that, you know, it's a shame for college football fans. It's a shame for the sport. It's a shame for the big 10 that we're not going to see Ohio state again. You know, the last time we saw Ohio state was last week. And then before that, it was a couple of weeks before. So it's hard to get a gauge on Ohio state right now because they haven't really played very much in the last month. And that's what I wanted to get to next with you and just trying to hash this out a little bit. Where does this leave Ohio State? Because you're, you're sitting there and saying, we haven't really seen a ton of them play. You got only the five games, and they looked impressive at times. And you know that this is a program with uh, an illustrious history, and Justin Fields is a quarterback who's in the Heisman conversation, was a Heisman finalist last year. So it's not like this is an upstart program where you don't know what to expect traditionally. This is a team that is perennially in the college football playoff anyway. So if there's a team that you're going to take a chance on without a full picture understanding when this shortened season, I think Ohio State is a pretty good program to do that with. But at the same time, they've only played five games. They didn't look terribly impressive against Indiana, which I think is really the only game that they have played against another team that you would say that is that is top flight competition that is good competition that they have faced so is it fair when we're sitting here pretty much saying now that uh, assuming Ohio State racks up one more win in the Big Ten championship game that they are a lock to get into the playoff with only six wins ahead of a team like Texas A&M or Florida, who will get their shot against Alabama. I suppose that they've sort of dug their hole, and, and to get out of it, they're going to have to go through Alabama to do that. But I guess the, the, the overarching question to me is, are, are we right to consider Ohio State as a lock for the playoff, assuming they win the Big Ten championship game, or, or is there a possibility or should we be thinking differently about them because they haven't played as many games? It's a very interesting question. I think before I answer it, I, I, I think I will say that it goes back to something that you have said, Nick, that I, I've heard you say on a couple different occasions, which is that you know, there was a very good argument for expanding the playoff, at least just for this year. You know, other sports, when they either started their seasons or come, came back, had bigger playoffs, right? MLB had a 16-team playoff because it's much harder to gauge who the best teams are in a 60-game season than 162. And this is not exactly the same situation, but it is harder when you have the SEC starting at one point, the Big Ten starting at another, Pac-12 starting at another. Not that they were going to be in the conversation anyway. But going back to this conversation and Ohio State, you know, when they take the field for – the Big Ten title game, which looks like the Big Ten is going to let them play in against Northwestern. 
I mean, they will have played one game since that Indiana game, and that was the win against Michigan State last weekend. Uh, and in that Indiana game, you're, you're right to point out, they looked very vulnerable. Their defense looked very gettable. Michael Penix threw for nearly 500 yards. That was before he tore his ACL in the Maryland game. And, look, Indiana's a good team. They deserve a lot of credit for what they've done this year. But nonetheless, it was still very jarring to see them go into the horseshoe and take Ohio State to the wall. And that defense, I don't think so much it's about Justin Fields because he's, you know, a Heisman candidate. and He did not have – he had probably his worst game in Ohio State uniform that day. But that defense lost so much talent, you know, just even in last year's draft. I mean, Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, you name it. Over the last couple of years, they've lost that talent, and defense just not, isn't as good as it was last year. And it's very difficult to gauge. And, and I had put out on Twitter, like half jokingly, saying that, you know, have Ohio State play Texas A&M. Not that that was going to happen, because you know the, the Big Ten has rules and the SEC has rules, and they're both playing basically conference-only schedules. But like that's the only way we're gonna know. I mean. Look, if Florida goes to the SEC title game and beats Alabama, I think I would probably put a one-loss Florida in over Ohio State, who's only played you know, five regular season games in the Big Ten title game. Um, do I think that scenario is going to play out? Probably not, because I think Alabama is going to win. But, you know, in that scenario, like, do you, t- do you take one-loss A&M over Ohio State? Because that's probably what it's going to come down to, realistically. Uh, it's a tough call. I mean, I think I would take Ohio State. I, I, the Big Ten title game is paramount to this because if they come out against Northwestern and they either, A, lose, which would just knock them out outright, or win in a very unconvincing fashion, I think you have, I think you have to think about putting A&M in that spot. But I think it, it's difficult to answer that question until we see the Big Ten title game and see how Ohio State looks after what's been a layoff almost exclusively without games for them since they went out and played Indiana. Two things that you said that I thought were pretty interesting. One, how similar this is to me, to them in, in say, 2014 with Cardell Jones at the end of things when they went out and beat the brakes off of Wisconsin in that Big Ten championship game in, in 2014. And – they make the playoff. There was some question about whether they should have been there or not. And then boom, they go on to win the national title. But the second part of this is always is our, our favorite question for the college football committee. Are we going best team here? Or are we going most deserving? Cause I think if you, if you ask the, the casual, the most college football people, if Ohio state has to play Texas A&M, we're picking Ohio state. I just think that that offense, A&M has been impressive in spots, but at some point I'm just not confident enough in that offense and Kellen Mond, although it has played better of late, to have enough to beat Ohio State. I just, I don't know that I'm, that I'm there with them. But at the same time, I think there is a legitimate argument to be made that Texas A&M with the schedule, the more games, a greater exposure is more deserving of getting into the college football playoff compared to Ohio State, who's only played five games. It'll be six, and 
the wins, the, the most impressive win is over Indiana in a fashion that wasn't very impressive. So that's to me what's going to end up being the most frustrating part of the way this decision is made. And I think that in part, the committee has already kind of made its decision barring a, a really unconvincing win from Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. They would have to waltz backdoor into a win in a way that would really decrease the value or their standing to me to change this ranking or else otherwise they would have already made the statement about we we are going with most deserving we like the expanded resume from A&M over Ohio State it's not about hey we feel like Ohio State is a better team I think that the ranking would be moved already the one wild card in all of this is if Florida were able to knock off Alabama. And then I think that both of those two teams get in. I assume that in, in picking this game, and we'll get to the ACC championship next week, but I'm assuming that Clemson's going to win that game with Trevor Lawrence coming back. That's the other wild card. If, if Clemson does win that game, they're in Clemson and Notre Dame. So as we shift towards sort of talking about the, the college football playoff in this top four, to me, the, the biggest thing here is that as much as it might be unfair or you might sit there and say, yeah, A&M is more deserving, barring, again, as I said, just, just some unforeseen bad performance from Ohio State in that Big Ten championship game, if they win, I, I don't think that the, the committee – Oh, no, I mean, I, I don't think so either. I, I will say to slightly ca- – Counter and, and look, I, I have my misgivings about A&M too. But, you know, if you just watch that Indiana game, I mean, did Ohio State look like a top four team in America? I don't know that the answer to that is yes. Um, now, if they go out and they play Northwestern and they beat them convincingly, then I'll say, you know, put them in. I will say this, though, going back to the playoff expansion idea, because, you know, this – I will admit that this year and this situation that we find ourselves in has kind of radicalized me at least on this front because I was always the guy who was fighting against expanding the playoff but you go from the top four and then you know we're having this conversation between Ohio State and A&M if you were to expand the, the college football playoff to eight teams right now you have Cincinnati at eight and you have Georgia at nine and I don't know how you feel but I feel like there is a clear top eight this year i don't know if there's a clear top four but there's a clear top eight and i think you know when you look at the playoff in that sense you you sit there and say you know at least for this year it would have been a much easier game to figure out now some of these teams might lose who knows but like this is a very clear cut top eight and it's not a very clear cut top four i want i want to touch on one more thing um with this conversation and some people were mad that the big 10 is bending the rules to let Ohio state play in the big 10 title game. I think that we're all obviously sitting here. I mean, you and I are on zoom. We all know what's, what's going on this year. And when the big 10 started on October 24th and they said that we're going to play an eight game conference schedule, they had to know, had to know that a situation like this was a possibility. It's not like we sit here with all of these games that got canceled in the last month or so. And it's not like we're sitting here and saying, wow, that's, that's a shock. 
uh, like everybody knew this was potential and really probable going into the season that we were just going to have games canceled or postponed. And that was just going to be the way it was going to be. And the big 10 set out and said, look, you have to play six games to go to the conference title game. But what does that mean? I mean, rules are so arbitrary in 2020 when you sit here and you say, Oh, well, it's six games, but why, you know, why six, why not five, why not four? So I think the hand wringing over this whole idea that, you know, Ohio state only played five games and Indiana played six. So Ohio state's not deserving of being there. That's something I frankly completely disagree with. I think it's ridiculous and not for nothing, Ohio state beat Indiana. So if anybody deserves to be there, it's probably Ohio state, even though they have one fewer game and they're not at, the magic number or whatever it is to go play in the big 10 title game. That to me is the distinction. They beat Indiana. Maybe you're having a different conversation if they didn't, but they did, they beat Indiana. So to me, that's where it ends. And at the end of the day, the big 10's responsibility job, in addition to making money and providing the ability for these student athletes to compete is to push one of its teams to the college football playoff. So why would, from a Big Ten perspective, you want to operate in a fashion of keeping the one team that is in your conference that has the chance to get in out? That doesn't make any sense to me. So the Big Ten should be doing – they should be doing backflips. They should be bending over backwards to try and get Ohio State into the college football playoff because as the conference, that's their responsibility. They want to send their teams to the college football playoff. And I know that there are some people – Again, they just sit up there and they want to put down Ohio State or say, oh, well, they're, they're Ohio State, so they'll always get the preference and they'll bend the rules for them. And, and maybe that's true. But from a Big Ten perspective, they want OSU in the playoff. That's, that's not even a discussion. That's not even close where you're, you're sitting there and that's priority number one. And this is their last shot. So at the end of the day where everything has been so crazy and they have a COVID outbreak that costs them a game and then they're all squared away, all set to play a game against Michigan that everyone knows that they were going to win. But even if they had lost, they still qualify for the Big Ten championship game. Had Michigan pulled up the the upset of the century and Jim Harbaugh is once again relevant at Michigan, although he might stay. As an aside there, there's talk about him potentially getting a contract extension, which I thought was, was interesting, to put it mildly. But if they even lost to Michigan, they're still in the Big Ten championship game. What, what's the purpose? You know, Indiana didn't deserve to get into that game as well as they've played. That's no disrespect. I absolutely love what Coach Allen and Indiana have done this year. I mean, it is incredibly impressive what they have done, but they had their shot. They were in a close game, a one-possession game with Ohio State on the road, and they lost. So when those two teams in the same division are vying for getting into the conference championship game, it's not like Ohio State played one game. They played five. They're, they're all set, and it's the Big Ten's responsibility to try and get one of their teams – into the playoff and Ohio state is their last hope. So that's, that's where I stand on it. And I just think it makes sense. I know, and I'm hearing the same things as you are, Jimmy, looking through Twitter and seeing stuff about, Oh, you know, Indiana played the extra game and the, the college football playoff committee should 
send a statement to Ohio State because the Big Ten doesn't want to play by the rules. And it's like, come on, stop it. This is such an exceptional year. There is no fault for Ohio State in this next game not being played. And again, even if they had lost, they're still in the championship game. So it's really a matter of was the game played or not. And and it's not their fault that it's not being played. So that's where I sit on that. Yeah, so, and I, I think if I could just add one more thing, it, it's a, it's honestly from a lot of people who are probably rooting for Indiana, but don't want to say that they're rooting for Indiana. And I also just wanted to add one more thing: the people who are mad about this are all saying that oh, the Big Ten is rapidly pivoting off their initial stance to let Ohio State play this game. Well, just remember, the Big Ten's initial stance was, we're not going to play at all. And then it was, well, we're going to play a, a condensed, modified season. So, like, all this stuff is, like, so arbitrary that I just think that, you know, getting all this fake outrage about Ohio State, you know, being in when they have five games and Indiana has six, I just think it's ridiculous. But I'm sorry to cut you off there. No, it's all good, and it's it's perfectly legitimate, and and I'm I'm a hundred percent with you there, and and I'm sure maybe there are more Indiana fans, Indiana football fans, than I realize on Twitter, and you're just sitting there reading this stuff, but that's the college football playoff. Uh, I shouldn't say the Big Ten wants to get a team into the college football playoff. That's clear. That's responsibility number one. Bend the rules. Bend the rules. That's that's the way it works. So let's move on to some play that actually happened on the field. We've done a lot of off the field stuff through the first, the first few minutes here on college football. Let's, let's go to some football that actually happened. How about the game that was scheduled on Thursday and was played on Saturday? That's Coastal Carolina and BYU. And this one was such a fun game. You could tell that both of these teams didn't have extensive game plans. It was more about, all right, we're going to go out there. We're going to try and – put our best put, foot forward. We're not necessarily attacking your weaknesses. We're just going to go out and, and whoever is better on that day is going to win. And it was a really fun game to watch that came down to a yard and a half or so shades to the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Titans. And it was just, it was so much fun to watch when you're seeing him try and extend for the goal line. And the Zach Wilson pass just comes up a yard short to send BYU home uh, with, with their first loss of the season against Coastal Carolina, the final 22-17. And, Jimmy, that's the one thing when you get a game like this, and it's sort of you're, how fun it was to watch. And not that either of these teams are sniffing the playoff, but just to, to see them take the opportunity to try and increase the standing in such a sort of thrown-together fashion, and it was just – it was, it was the epitome of college football. There's no other way to say it. Kind of leads you to think, how much fun would this be if, you know, Ohio State and Texas A&M might do something like this? We know they're not going to, but it was so much fun to watch. Zach Wilson's going to be a guy who's probably a first-round draft pick, a, a top-15 draft pick. And, and Coastal Carolina, a lot of credit goes to them and their ground game. They run for 281 yards and three touchdowns. The, the quarterback situation for them with Grayson McCall, he doesn't have to do a ton there, but he takes care of the football, only throws for 85 yards. But it doesn't matter. They get it done on the ground, and Coastal Carolina hangs on for a big win against BYU. I think it's very emblematic of the 
bizarre universe we live in in 2020 that Alabama LSU is on at 8 o'clock on Saturday night, and all of America is transfixed by a game on a teal turf that didn't exist three days before. And I give BYU a ton of credit for going out and playing this game uh, because I think they did look a little unprepared, and that's really not through any fault of their own because you think about regular football preparation, it starts you know on the Sunday or Monday after you know the last week's game, and then it goes all week, and BYU didn't have that. It was obvious. And, you know, Coastal had been preparing for a game the whole time. They thought they were going to play Liberty, and then they wound up slotting in BYU. But, yeah, I mean, hell of a game. Uh, Jamie Chadwell, the head coach of Coastal Carolina, I think is going to get a lot of looks for higher-ranking jobs. Uh, They're going to have a hard time keeping him down this offseason. And, look, I mean, it was – everything about that game was just terrific – uh, you know, BYU, you could really tell with Zach Wilson that it was, the, it was the first time he really saw a bona fide pass rush. It's nothing against any of the teams that they played, but that's, that's the best defense BYU's played this year. And, you know, a ton of credit, I think, to BYU for playing that game because they had a lot more to lose than Coastal, if we're being honest. And, and you got to give Coastal a ton of credit as well because, look, I mean, they had prepared for one opponent, and that game got called off because of a, a COVID outbreak at Liberty. They slot in BYU, whatever it was, a day or two later. And they, you know, they only have 48 hours to prepare for that opponent as well. So they deserve a ton of credit. And, yeah, that was just – if you would have told me that would have been the game of the year at the start of this season, I, I would have laughed in your face. But here we are sitting here spending time on this show – talking about what I think is the game of the year, which was, of course, BYU, Coastal Carolina. Just incredible stuff. Yeah, how 2020 is that? But it was it was so much fun to watch. And as you mentioned, and I thought hit on very well, credit to both of these programs for scheduling the game. Because you know there are so many teams and coaches who would say, well, we didn't have enough time to prepare, and this is not – the traditional way of scheduling a game and it's Thursday and we can't do it. And in part, it was the impetus of BYU because they knew that they needed a signature win or win against tougher competition than what had previously been on their resume to really make a run at the college football playoff or gain respect from the committee in the way they had not gotten it up to that point. But this was just an outstanding game. This was so much fun to watch, as I said, and I'm so happy that it happened. And I think that your point about LSU and Alabama is spot on and so funny. Who would have thought, especially after the way we watched LSU and Alabama last year with Joe Burrow and how glued to your television you were watching that game and how exciting it was and I, I couldn't get enough of LSU Alabama last year and this year you're sitting there and saying, no, I'm, I'm turning on coastal Carolina and BYU. This is a great game. I personally wanted to get a look at Zach Wilson more than anything else with some of the chatter and the hype about him as a top 15 draft pick and drawing comparisons to Patrick Mahomes and things like that with what he has done, the athleticism 
and the arm strength in the way that he commands the quarterback position. After watching that, that was, again, probably the best competition. And the first time that he faced a pass rush, it was it was maybe not to the level of Patrick Mahomes, but I was impressed. You know, the arm talent is certainly there, and, and you like what he has to work with. It's just Coastal Carolina, you felt like, was, was really – well-prepared and, and plays sound defense. And at the same time, they did a, a a pretty good job on on hemming in this this BYU passing attack and, and offense as a whole. And then when you get down to it, they're still a yard away from winning the game. So I liked what I saw from both sides, and it was just a, a really well-played football game and something we wish we could have a little bit more of maybe this year. And I, I know that the the challenges of the travel and most teams don't have the courage to, to pull off something like this, but man, oh man, was it fun to see two teams that are kind of looking for the, that respect. They want the respect from the college football playoff committee. And they say, well, we know how to get it. Even if it's not through the most traditional or the best of circumstances, we're going to sit up there. We're going to play the game. We'll schedule it Thursday a lot of credit. I think more credit to BYU for going in and playing that game because they had more to lose. And you knew that they were the driving force behind it because Coastal Carolina was never going to sniff the playoff. And I don't think that BYU was either. But had they gone in and won, now you're you're sitting there and saying, okay, they can probably be among the Cincinnati's of the world and potentially a top 10 or a, a top eight selection. And you never know. You never want to count anyone out, but certainly to try and gain more more respect in the eyes of the committee and a, and a ton of credit to BYU for, for playing that game. I want to finish up. We touched on LSU Alabama for a moment. It comes out, was it today? No, it was yesterday night. LSU, a postseason ban for them. There is an investigation surrounding their program. For what, we are not 100% sure. We know they are guilty of saying go Tigers a lot. Other than that, we're not 100% clear on what had gone on. Of course, again, just spitballing some of this stuff. I don't know if Odell Beckham Jr.'s reaction to the, the national championship win would have anything to do with it. I don't think so. They've certainly investigated that. But uh, certainly striking to hear something going on with LSU, especially a year removed from winning the national championship. They imposed the postseason ban on themselves, which is interesting because they probably weren't going to the postseason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are they, what are they investigating? I mean, they could be investigating the ban for playing neck. I, who knows? But um, it, it's interesting. You know, they, they self-impose a ban to something that's not going to happen. Like it's, it's like we were talking before the show, like I made the joke. It's like, I'm self-imposing a ban on going to the gym. Well, one, I wasn't going anyway. And two, the gyms aren't even open. So, you know, I could do that. I could say that, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a weird year for LSU. I, I watched some of that Alabama game. And to be honest, I had to turn it off because it was just it was hard to watch. Uh, yeah, Bo Pelini's running that defense. He's still running that defense. How, I don't know, because they've been absolutely gashed this year. Um, yeah, Ed Ogeron is on the sideline wanting to, it seems like wanting to kill somebody basically every week. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, they lost so much talent last year and, and that's absolutely a huge part of the drop off, you know, all the NFL guys, right? Like 
Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and Justin Jefferson, and you know, Patrick Queen on the defense, and the list goes on and on. But you know, even the best coaches can figure out ways to reload off of that, right? Like Alabama loses a ton of talent every year. They come back the next year, they're in the conversation. And to see this from LSU, in addition to the self-imposed ban, just going three and five, having a really bad year, I think a lot of that falls on Ed Ogeron. I, I, as much as I hate to say it, I, I think it absolutely does. And, you know, we, we've seen stories come out about, you know, things that he probably could have handled better, but the on-field product for LSU is just so strikingly worse than it was obviously last year, but even more so than we expected. Cause I think we all expected a drop off, but not, not like this. And I think to see them go from national champions to not even remotely competitive in the SEC, I think is an indictment on coach. O. Yeah, I agree with you. And there was some chatter and again, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt after winning a national championship at LSU for the first time, I believe since what was it? Was it 2004 was the first time yeah. since, since 04 with, with Nick Saban, who, again, just as an aside, a ton of credit to him because it illustrates how difficult it is to lose the talent and then continue to be competitive. And that's something that Alabama has done year in and year out. But when, when you sit there and look at what LSU is right now, I think that there is something to be said for losing both coordinators as well. And it's something that Nick Saban has dealt with too, again, in, in circling back to Alabama, but, when you lose Aranda to Baylor and then Joe Brady is off to the Carolina Panthers, it's not just, oh, we lost the number one overall pick at quarterback and Clyde Edwards-Hulaire is a first-round pick and then some of the talent that they lost on defense as well. Now you're trying to scramble to figure out, especially in 2020 and not getting a chance to really meet with your players in an off-season program the way you would like, you're installing a new offense and a new defense, or at the very least, a new perspective on both. And it was very clear to me that Joe Brady mashed with Joe Burrow really was when this program took off and, and went to new heights. And now they've lost both of them and things aren't really the same. And how many times do we see this in college football? I'll throw out another example. Georgia, who made the college football playoff in Kirby Smart's first year, really have not been the same since losing Mel Tucker to Colorado and now to Michigan State and Jim Chaney, who's now at Tennessee. So they lose the coordinators. And I think that that is something that when you're not dealing with maybe Nick Saban is kind of a big deal. And there's no way Bo Pelini can be back for LSU next year. I just, I don't think it's possible. Maybe they're letting him hang on because again, it's, it's 2020 and you're not, there's, there's no point to firing him. It's, it's kind of like Adam Gase with the Jets. Like, you could fire him. Obviously, he's going to be gone at the end of the year. And and in fairness, if LSU goes 0-8, they don't get Trevor Lawrence. So I, I shouldn't – maybe there's an incentive to win. You're not playing for the better high school draft pick here. But at the same time, there's there's not a lot of, a ton of incentive. Like, get the man out right now. You can wait till the end of the season. And I'm sure that Ed Orgeron, who, who I believe has – a pretty good relationship with Bo Pelini, maybe out of respect for that relationship, will say, all right, I'll wait till the end of the season to do that. But there's no way that he comes back next year. 
the offense and the quarterback situation for LSU has been a mess in trying to replace Joe Burrow as well. Again, you, you don't continue to just have the number one overall draft pick walk into your building every other year. So I understand that it's going to be a struggle to replace a guy like Joe Burrow, but it, it is amazing to see how they've fallen. And I think that that's an important piece there as well. When you lose both of the coordinators, in addition to the talent that they have had on both sides of the ball, dating back to last year and a couple of years ago, it just makes everything so difficult, especially when you are operating in the circumstances and in the landscape that they are right now. But to get back to the, the postseason ban, which is where I just want to finish up, this is, this is ridiculous, right? Like to, to sit there and say, yeah, we're not going to go to the postseason when you, you mathematically could not go to the postseason with a winning record. I know that it's open to everyone now. There isn't the winning record requirement per se. No one was going to ask LSU to play in a bowl game, right? No, and even if they did, they would have gotten their doors blown off by somebody. Like if they would have played in the Zappos Bowl, I'm not 100% sure that's real, but I seem to remember hearing it, so we're just going to go with it. But nonetheless, I mean, it, it's – Especially true now because, like, this year you, you've had a bunch of bowls get canceled this year. So there's there's less to go around. Like, there were, God, what was it, 40 bowls last year? So, right, you do the math on that. There's 40 bowls. There's 80 invites. We're already down to, I think, 32 bowls this year. So what you're doing then is taking the best 64 teams in college football, and that is not LSU. So it would have been – I mean, they probably wouldn't have gotten a bowl in a regular year. Like, if you would have prorated their season over a full year, they'd probably finish five and seven or something like that. But especially this year, with fewer bowls to go to and fewer invites to hand out, how could you bring LSU to a bowl? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. It's not the logic of saying, okay, well, how would LSU have not gotten to a bowl? The logic here is trying to say, how would LSU have gotten to a bowl? And, Nick, I just don't think – that that's a thing that would have happened. And yet here is LSU self-imposing their postseason ban, which is funny because the New York Jets have done the exact same thing. So I don't know. The, the Jets are imposing a, a one, well, it's been a multiple year postseason ban for them. I don't, I don't, I don't want to throw shots at the end of this thing, but it has been a multiple year postseason ban for the Jets and LSU. Maybe this will save face for them if there are some seriousness to the allegations that are being brought against them or something comes to this investigation. To me, if there's something that happened here, I don't know how much weight that this postseason ban this year carries or if, if say, it gets them out of, of banning themselves from the postseason next year as well. I don't, I don't think that that'll be the case. But, hey, you never know. And, and there's not much to say on this other than, okay, it's a little bit ridiculous and we'll have to wait for the investigation to play out because there's just not a lot of information regarding what has gone on, at least for the time being. And we'll certainly monitor that situation and hope that nothing happened because, you know, we, we like Coach O. So we're hoping that there was no funny business going on down there in Baton Rouge and that everything works itself out. And look, LSU at the beginning of this year imposed a postseason ban. Now they just made it official and wrote a statement. So that's it for us here on College Football Gridiron. You can catch us every week of the college football season. Jimmy Sullivan and Nick DeLuca, thanks for hanging out with us and enjoy this weekend's college football matches.